enemies of freedom committed an act of war against our country americans have known wars but for the past one hundred thirty six years they have been wars on foreign soil except for one sunday in nineteen forty one americans have known the casualties of war but not at the center of a great city on a peaceful morning americans have known surprise attacks but never before on thousands of civilians all of this was brought upon us in a single day and night fell on a different world a world where freedom itself is under attack americans have many questions tonight americans are asking who attacked our country the evidence we have gathered all points to a collection of loosely affiliated terrorist organizations known as al-Qaeda. They are some of the murderers indicted for bombing American embassies in Tanzania and Kenya and responsible for bombing the USS Cole. Al-Qaeda is to terror, but the mafia is to crime. But its goal is not making money. Its goal is remaking the world and imposing its radical beliefs on people everywhere. The terrorists practice a fringe form of Islamic extremism that has been rejected by Muslim scholars and the vast majority of Muslim clerics, a fringe movement that perverts the peaceful teaching of Islam. The terrorist directive commands them to kill Christians and Jews, to kill all Americans, and make no distinctions among military and civilians, including women and children. This group and its leader, a person named Osama bin Laden, are linked to many other organizations in different countries, including the Egyptian Islamic Jihad, the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan. There are thousands of these terrorists in more than 60 countries. They are recruited from their own nations and neighborhoods and brought to camps in places like Afghanistan, where they are trained in the tactics of terror. They are sent back to their homes or sent to hide in countries around the world to plot evil and destruction. The leadership of al-Qaeda has great influence in Afghanistan and supports the Taliban regime in controlling most of that country. In Afghanistan, we see al-Qaeda's vision for the world. Afghanistan's people have been brutalized. Many are starving, and many have fled. Women are not allowed to attend school. You can be jailed for owning a television. Religion can be practiced only as their leaders dictate. A man can be jailed in Afghanistan if his beard is not long enough. The United States respects the people of Afghanistan. After all, we are currently its largest source of humanitarian aid. But That was a dangerous position to get into, be their largest source of humanitarian aid. Some of this stuff is kind of hard to listen to when you know that they're all lying, right? Well, pull up a chair, kids. Um, because a while ago, I did a cold read where I read something for the first time, and that was kind of fun. So I read something today that literally still has my eyes kind of buzzing a little bit, okay? Because, um, you know, I've been talking about 
the connection between um, Germany, Africa, you know, the whole human experiment thing, right? Well, thanks for joining me. We'll get through this somehow because, um, you know, and in the past I've also talked about countries that they've had closed off, you know, and my suspicions about, you know, why did they close these countries off, like Cuba under the guise of communism? And what was exactly going on when these countries were closed off? So, yeah, so this brings up a lot of examples of a lot of these things and makes it very interesting. So how did I get here? Well, <laughs> I was looking into U.S. military budget expenditures. And while I was looking at that, I ran into this group. <coughs> Excuse me. I ran into this group that set my head rolling, okay? And that group, let me try to pull up two files at once here, is called Do, okay? Um, and it goes along with this thing with the smart boxes in such a way, um, smart meters, I can't gotta stop calling it boxes. Anyway, so, yeah. Oh, wait a minute, I did put paste on this page. Okay, yeah, okay. So let me start off first here. Anyway, so this do deal. <laughs> well, you're not going to believe what do is. So let me wade through this military stuff first, okay? Uh, because do has to do with um, radiating us. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, you know, because I was looking into a couple of things. First of all, um, every year they get an increase in the military budget here, which now consumes about, oh, I don't know, 51% of tax dollars um, go to, to the military. Well, I call it murder, but anyway, so words, whatever, military murder. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, every year they get a rise and you know, the president will submit some amount and then they will actually say, no, we think you should have more, okay? And they always both agree on these things, right? So I was looking into, <clears throat> because at one point they announced that they'd kind of lost track of all the things they were sent to Ukraine. Well, first of all, <coughs> all those weapons they're sending to Ukraine are, now I don't know this for a fact, okay? are likely ending up on the black market somewhere because the weapons, this is all being done by computer graphics, right? No one's really fighting anybody. They're unfortunately murdering a bunch of people in Ukraine right now. But, you know, they're not blowing off, you know, multi-million dollar missiles when they could throw a stick of dynamite now, are they? Um, and, and they could, <clears throat> excuse me, they could sell that missile on the black market to somebody who will eventually turn it on the rest of us, right? So yeah, so yeah, that stuff is so so they've never they haven't kept track, okay, and they did the exact same thing in Iraq. In Iraq, they literally sent over plane loads, plane loads of cash, literally cash that was described as something that a drug dealer would do. <laughs> well, okay, let, let's figure out who the drug dealers are, okay. Let's refresh Afghanistan. What was that 20 years about? Well, I would say it's probably about the opioids, right? Why do you think they're spraying all those cocos and ruining all those farmers' businesses saying, oh, we don't want any cocaine? Well, why not? Because they have fentanyl, right? So all that dirty labor business with the opioids and stuff kind of bundles into this quicker method of eugenics, right? So, yeah, so anyhow, so... 
I was intrigued about what's going on with the Ukraine money just because of their past history with what happened with Iraq. So I literally stumbled into so many different robberies going on because right before 9-11, Cheney announced that the Pentagon was um, short on budget by trillions of dollars, okay? And then two days later, I think it was either one or two days later, I forget, 9-11 hit. And then, whoops, nobody brought up those trillions of dollars they were missing. So I was poking around looking at missing money and... Um, I found some interesting things to sew. So let me read the interesting money before I get to the do part. Because <laughs> so, you have to stick around for that do part of something else. Um, uh, so anyway, so um, the United States of America undoubtedly tops the list of the top 10 countries with the highest military budget in the world. The nation is known to spend around, well, this is chump change now. It's what is like 800 billion or something now which accounts for the GDP. No other country in the world stands even close to the massive figure. This is not a recent trend as the defense budget of the world's most powerful country has always dominated the world stage. They write such glowing things about themselves, don't they? The major part of the military budget is spent on operations, maintenance, as well as personnel of the armed forces. A few people often wonder about the huge military expenditure of the United States of America. The reason behind this is the commitment <laughs> which the nation has towards protecting countries in Asia, Middle East, and others. It also needs to protect itself from its arch rivals across the globe. <clears throat> Thus, the above are the countries which have the highest military budgets in the world. Oh, I left off part of the list. But okay, the United States dominates the world stage as far as budget is concerned. Okay, so then I ran into some discrepancies with this budget, okay? <laughs> there was this professor who did this audit of the budget, okay? <laughs> and this is a good one. <laughs> Five years after the Defense Department first accomplished the Herculean task of performing an audit of its books, it still has not adequately accounted for about 61% of its assets, according to the latest results released Tuesday. And this article was dated November the 16th, 2022. So just, we're in, we're in January the 25th of 2023, so it was... Two months ago, exactly two months ago, okay? <laughs> Just to put this into perspective, okay? So there's 61% of their assets are unaccounted for, okay? The department, the largest federal agency, has made slight progress since 2021 toward a clean audit, connecting all the dots of its $3.5 in assets and $3.7 in liabilities. Pentagon Comptroller Mike McCord said in a briefing to reporters on the latest annual audit results. And I'm reading from what Mike said. The results of the fifth annual DOD-wide financial audit will be a disclaimer of opinion for DOD as a whole. This is the same as last year and not unexpected, McCord said. 
We did expect this that disclaimer, but we will also sustain all of our prior year positive opinions, which cover approximately 39% of our assets. What he just said, I don't know. <clears throat> I guess he's saying we're going to show you we have 39%, right? I'm reading along here. Overall, the audit found several new weaknesses. <laughs> found several new weaknesses in the department's accounting and consolidated others, meaning no net change. I am disappointed that we didn't show more progress this year, said McCord, who was sworn in as comptroller for the second time in June 2021. He previously earned, he previously served in the position from 2009 to 2017. So McCord has been on the job there for quite a while, it appears. The, depart the department has faced a federal law requiring mandatory audits since 1994, <laughs> but its size and vastness led to the law being largely ignored for more than two decades. <laughs> if you're wondering why things have been running amok, <laughs> stop wondering. I have the answers. Many... Many doubted that it could be done. What did we talk about being done? Let me see. The department has faced, has faced a federal law requiring mandatory audits since 1994, <clears throat> but its size and vastness led to the law being largely ignored for more than two decades. Many doubted that it could be done. Then in 2018, former cop... <clears throat> Excuse me. Former comptroller David Norquist announced it had accomplished the feat. Norquist called it the largest known audit in human history, but the first attempt came with the caveat that the department had failed the audit, which Norquist said at the time was expected. Each year since, the department has faced the same outcome, despite improvements along the way. The result has been that the Pentagon may know how it and the military service branches spend money, but it hasn't been able to prove it. Its massive $7.2 trillion in assets and liabilities is just, is just the top line. Per the department, it employs 2.9 million troops and civilians, managed 643,900,000 physical assets such as buildings, roads, and fences on 4,860,000 sites around the world, and has one of the largest healthcare systems in the United States with 9.6 million beneficiaries. It also, they left this part out, which I may point out there, the U.S. military also owns a ton of golf courses all over the place because they need to relax. I think we need to relax being around these people, if you ask me. Okay, so let me read on here. The audit also looks at equipment such as ships and tanks and other high-dollar weapon systems, such as the military's flagship, flagship fifth-generation fighter, the F-35 Lightning. Trying to account for all of that, especially spread over multiple services, requires a major deployment of financial experts. 
the overall DOD audit is actually an aggregate of 27 separate audits conducted by about 1,600 auditors from private firms such as Ernst & Young, CPMG, and others contracted by the department. The auditors did 220 in-person site visits and 750 virtual site visits as part of the review. As we get sort of to the harder things, the progress is getting a little harder as well, says McCord. Now remember, McCord's been there for several years, it appears. Each year, he says, the auditor recommends, the auditor recommendations show increasing complexity and difficulty with much of the lower hanging fruit having been picked. For McCord, the quest for a clean audit comes down to increasing confidence in the Pentagon and military. Being able to prove on paper how the U.S. resources poured into defense are actually being used would be a badge of responsibility for the department. A result that is, at least for this year, out of reach. I think many people feel that it does that it does improve taxpayers or veterans or service members' confidence if they would see that or if they could see more clean options than we have now, McCord says. And then um, I was just looking for fraud in the last few years, okay? <laughs> I just started out to take an overview, and then I kind of got really sidetracked on that other business. So let me continue on here. In 2018, I found a Forbes magazine article. They published an article stating... Um, 21 trillion was missing from Pentagon accounts just two years after the OIG, that's the Office of the Inspector General, released their report on 6.5 trillion missing. 21 trillion is enough to give $65,000 checks to every American. So, I guess they said that 21 trillion was missing and they thought that it was only 6.5 trillion, not real clear there, but <laughs> instead secret missions, I'm reading from this Forbes article, okay, instead secret missions like a U.S. Special Forces mission in Niger to capture a high-level Islamic officer are funded and carried out without the Pentagon and U.S. agencies knowing. Well, this is going on about some secret mission, and I'm not really, I'm a little foggy, but let me read another paragraph and see if it starts to make sense, okay? The Pentagon and U.S. agencies didn't know about the secret mission until four Special Forces soldiers were ambushed and killed in 2018. According to government data, there were 562,000 adjustments made to Pentagon's books in 2018, and during the same year, the Pentagon conducted their first audit. Oh, yeah, so what they're saying is they were cooking the books, right? <laughs> the audit grade was a huge fail. The process was actually 24 audits compressed. I think we read this somewhere else. 
about four investigators read records, blah, blah, blah. The Pentagon would fail every audit after this up to 2021. This is, oh, this is a, just a different article about this thing we are talking about before. January 2020, just a few months before the coronavirus pandemic began, a new report was released revealing even more money missing from Pentagon accounts. This time, an unbelievable $35 trillion. Now, this is just, remember, this is like, what did I just say, 2021? They found $35 trillion missing. Um, and it went on to say, I expect money to go missing from the Pentagon every year until the end of time. <laughs> well, yeah, I would have to agree with that. So, yeah, that was another $35 trillion. Okay. And then there was this professor. I don't think I read about him before. Let me look up here. Skidmore. No, I didn't read about Mark Skidmore. This guy named Mark Skidmore. Okay. No, that was McCord we were talking about before. Okay. Let me get these characters straight here. I just, I barely scanned this one. So, okay. This is a great one. And this was October 11th, 2019. Professor finds 21, tri 21 trillion missing from government budget. A Michigan State University economics professor discovered 21 trillion unaccounted for in the federal budget starting in 1998 until the end of fiscal year 2015. Professor Mark Skidmore enlisted the help of his graduate students to examine government documents from the Department of Defense. Department of Defense and Housing and Urban Development to uncover an unfathomable amount of unauthorized spending. According to the Constitution, all federal spending must be voted on and authorized by Congress each fiscal year. Any discrepancies found in the way of unauthorized spending would normally elicit a con congressional hearing and investigation. <laughs> So much fraud, so little time. Skidmore and his students' analysis used public, and this is, you know, this fraud was going on until 2015, and right in the middle of that, what was a big housing crash, everybody was losing their jobs and stuff in their houses. Okay, so, um, Skidmore and his students' His students' analysis used pu publicly available government documents from the two agencies' websites to expose this inconsistency. Shortly after Skidmore published his findings, both agencies removed those documents from public access. <laughs> While no congressional committee tied to the budget had signaled they would spend open an inquiry prior to Skidmore's findings. The Department of Defense allowed a first-ever department-wide audit by independent firm Ernst & Young. Oh, I'm sure they're probably just honest as the day is long, right? <laughs> Remember all of the accounting firms that were headed up as with, um, what was it, Enron and all of them? They, they all have accounting firms running them, okay? What is it, the accounting firms, the lawyers, <laughs> the executives? Okay, um... Skidmore says that sometimes there can be discrepancies meant to account for inadequate transactions, but those adjustments are usually no more than 1% of the total budget. The Army's annual budget for fiscal year 2015 was $122 billion, meaning that an adjustment for inadequate, in, 
adequate transactions might be around 1.2 billion. The Army's actual adjustments for fiscal year 2015 were 6.5 trillion, 54 times what it was authorized to spend. Out of thousands of documents spanning that period, Skidmore was able to find Army budget documentation for 13 of those years, saying its budget represented roughly 11.5 trillion of the missing 21 trillion. He also called those accounting documents opaque, saying it was not clear what the unauthorized adjustments were for. <laughs> that amount of unauthorized missing money is equivalent to about 65, I think we read this, didn't we? 65,000 every person in America? Okay, um, yeah, so that was Skidmore and he uncovered all of that. And then there was a, um, yeah, this was the one I was talking about before with Rums, was it Rumsfeld? Or Cheney, I forget. Right before uh, September 11, um, they said there was $2.3 trillion missing, okay? And what they did during Iraq, which should give you some highlight into why I've been suspicious about, um, you know, Ukraine being a money dump, right? Here's what happened, just in case you weren't there or it was too long ago or you forgot or whatever. Um, when the U.S., you know, the, the, the whole thing, I'm not going to go there, but the whole thing was to really lock down our what, what people perceived as their rights, right? Because they had this whole thing to take away whatever people thought were their rights before the fake 9-11 um, thing happened. So, um, yeah, so basically um, they were in such a rush that the U.S. flew nearly $12 billion dollars in shrink-wrapped $100 bills into Iraq, then distributed the cash with no proper control over who was receiving it and how it was being spent. The staggering scale of the biggest transfer of cash in the history of the Federal Reserve has been graphically laid bare by a U.S. Congressional Committee. And in one of these committees, Paul Bremer is the person you're looking for, B-R-E-M-E-R, he kind of lost. He, he now he's saying he thinks Obama. You know they're all nuts. But anyways, at one point Paul Bremer, when he was being questioned by Congress or something, said something about well the Iraqis were horrible bookkeepers. <laughs> they literally were loading up, loading up jet loads of cash. Okay, that they had shrunk wrap. Okay, so yeah, you'll have to go look at more of that because I want to get down to this Dex business. But yeah, they they just. It, this whole thing is nothing but a robbery in action, okay? Um, and the, their conclusion memorandum for the Iraq thing was, many of the funds appear to have been lost to corruption and waste. Thousands of ghost employees were receiving pay, paychecks from Iraqi ministers under the CPA's control. Some of the funds could have enriched both criminals and insurgents fighting the United States. The money was money from Iraq that I, I, I don't know somehow the US got all this money and they sent over plane loads of stuff was it Iraqi money that they had stolen from them and they were so-called returning it maybe that's one part of the story but right now I really can't remember <laughs> but, but yeah so the, the, you know they're, they're notorious for doing these kinds of things okay 
And after Afghanistan, they left $7 billion worth of stuff as of 2021 of equipment just lying around Afghanistan, right? Um, the U.S. gave a total of $18.6 billion of equipment to the Afghan um, to the Afghan National Defense and Security Forces from 2005 to August of 2021, according to this one report I found. Of that total equipment worth 7.12 billion remained in Afghanistan. But, you know, these people keep some pretty careless records. So I'm not going to get too bogged down in the amounts because my opinion, okay, Iraq was a poppy run, okay? Once they got rid of the poppies and everybody addicted to opioids, they had to just move on along, right? So anyway, so um, what happened was in, um, we started this whole thing, as of April, um, the U.S. is finally sending people to Ukraine to track things down. They're, they're going to send over some accounting firms, of course. So, okay, so the U.S. recently resumed on-site inspectors to assess weapon stocks in the country whenever and wherever the security conditions allow. <laughs> well, that'll be easy to solve, won't it? Well, a little bit too dangerous over there. We can't count there. Oh, was I supposed to check over there? Well, we'll get back there next month. Okay, let's get down to this do business. That's where my mind really is right now. Okay. <laughs> this do business is just a huge piece of this puzzle, okay? Because here's why. You know, I've been saying for a long time that I think, you know, out of the, um, out of World War II, that human experiment continued on. You know, they had the base in Germany there, which grew so big that that was, you know, they started in Africa right after, um, right after World War II, okay, Africa bases. So, yeah, so the human experiment really got going there, and so, um, I found a, just a piece that got me all engaged again because um, they were doing the the show I was last show I was talking about the radiation and stuff. They found evidence of X-rays, so I believe some of this was being done when those people were being closed off in East Germany. And I'll get to that in just a minute. So, yeah, it looks to me like yeah, we thought that they were closing down the experiments in Germany, but. Did they explode in Germany? What about East Germany? What was going on over there? See what I'm saying? Can't prove it, but I'll get to there in a second here. So what we're looking at, in the United States, the Pentagon DARPA, they used to be ARPA, remember I've talked about them in the past, the Air Force Research Laboratory, United States Army Armament Research Development and Engineering Center, and the Naval Research Laboratory are researching direct energy weapons, also known as DEWs, D-E-W, Mountain Dew, right, like a soda. Okay, so all of these groups, the Pentagon, DARPA, the Air Force Research Laboratory, United States Army Armament Research Development and Engineering Center, and the Naval Research Laboratory are researching directed energy weapons to counter ballistic missiles, hypersonic cruise missiles, and hypersonic guide missiles. Sound good, right? Get rid of those missiles. You know, it always packages something that's not quite there, right? Okay, so, um, yeah, and I, I was reading this 
you know, because remember I found this due thing because I was for for whatever reason I was nosing around the budget and how much they were stealing. And anyways, um, so yeah, so um, this is just something else. So um, because when I was reading from the due page on their wiki page. I kept reading all this wording like about to happen, we're considering all that. So I kept thinking, are these weapons already in place? I mean, are these are they already using these weapons, right? And what they're supposedly claiming is this, which is a pretty good setup, right? And this is, you know, as of like right now, okay. What they're saying now is to do these things would be too dangerous to test on people. So we're gonna set up this division and do these do games and we'll try to set it up visually doing some computer games. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but <laughs> so, because remember, how are they going to explain testing these on people, right? See where I'm going with this? If you haven't listened to the show I did, you'll, you'll be lost, so I, I can't update you on that. But anyway, so yeah, how are they going to get this do thing going and explain the fact that they have no human experiments to show? Well, now I don't know this for a fact, I wasn't there. I'm not going to be there. But if I were going to set up my human experiments once I shut down in Germany and I was moving into Africa, I would think Africa would be a pretty good location to continue my human experiments there, right? And uh, yeah, so anyhow, so yeah, so now, now there's got to be some craftiness here, right? Because how are they going to explain this? Oh, we're going to be doing this do thing, right? So let me continue reading on here. Um, this, the, these systems of missile defense are expected to come online no sooner than the mid to late 2020. So we're talking like right now, right? I, I kept thinking, am I seeing this right? <laughs> because I already thought, here's my view. I'm pretty sure that they've been doling out technology that already existed, right? Technology that from wherever we came from, we knew about, right? But we wouldn't have been, we knew about it, but we wouldn't have thought about turning it on each other, right? So these people have obviously grabbed hold of the deadly stuff and they really haven't invented it. They're doling it out, right? Because what you'll start to understand as I read along here is, it all seems to evolve back to radiation, right? They seem to have a pretty good comfort level with the radiation deal, right? So, okay, so, yeah, so I was pretty surprised that they were talking, like, now. I'm thinking, wow, I thought they were, I thought they already had this, you know, zapping people, this ballistic missile stuff going. So, um, and so China, France, Germany, the United Kingdom, Russia, India, and Pakistan are also developing missile-grade direct directed energy weapons while Iran and Turkey claim to have them in active service. The first use of directed energy weapons or dues in combat between military forces was claimed to have occurred in Libya in August 2019 by Turkey which claimed to have used ALK A-L-K-A directed energy weapon. After decades of research and development, most directed energy weapons are still at the experimental stage 
and it remains to be seen if or when they will be deployed as practical, high-performance military weapons. Well, I think this is very interesting, right? Well, because here's the deal. This clearly would right now focus us into thinking these are military weapons, right? I had this flash just, oh, I don't know, a couple hours ago. <laughs> well, while everybody has been busy, you know, playing the circus act and all the stuff that's going on and being so distracted and stuff, because remember, they haven't had to pull any weapons on us, right? Everything has been voluntary. People have gone along with the stuff. And people don't want to look because it, it spoils the fun on some level, right? So, so while we were busy doing all this stuff, these people, and remember, everybody, if you mention World War II, what do people talk about? The ovens, right? Everybody goes nuts over those ovens, right? How they stripped them bare and did all this kind of stuff. Well, the ovens weren't real, right? Um, now, do I think a lot of horrible things happened? Well, of course, but um, the ovens were not real. Um, but anyhow, so what have we done since then? Well, <laughs> they've escalated the human experiments by this country, right? And essentially by smart meters, and I am not dramatizing a thing, we have allowed our homes through crafty maneuvers on their part to become bioterrorism attack on ourselves, right? So all the talk and everybody's so worried about those ovens and stuff, well, <laughs> while everybody was so busy partying after World War II, they essentially have kind of closed in around us and installed like many ovens on all of our houses, right? And how these many ovens work also tie into this this dex business so let me continue on here so yeah so i don't know it's you know <laughs> well here we are all we can do is try to minimize the damage right so anyway so um okay directed energy weapons could have several main advantages over conventional weaponry Directed energy weapons can be used discreetly. Radiation, see all these things have to do with radiation, okay? Okay, let me start over here again. Directed energy weapons can be used discreetly. Let me get back here. Can be used discreetly. Radiation does not generate sound and is invisible if outside the visible spectrum. Light is, for practical purposes, unaffected by gravity, windage, and force, giving it an almost perfectly flat trajectory. <coughs> this makes aim much more precise and extends the range to line of sight, limited only by beam, diffraction, and spread, which dilute the power and weaken the effect and absorption by, oh, this was, I was talking, what, they, what they're doing is, um, they're talking about using laser lights to do, to do um, harm and stuff. This is laser travels at light speed and have long range, making them suitable to use in space warfare. 
See, the, see here, here's what I'd like to suggest, and this is just my view, and I hope that you'll be forming your own opinions, but it appears to me that space is a conjecture of computer graphics, which they've cooked up, right? Like the whole deal with Saturn and how it looks and all that stuff, right? Well, um, uh, you know, space is, space is a pipe dream, right? Space is another money dump, right? So... Um, to say all these things, the lasers for space and all that stuff, is just terrific. But remember, that is a diversion for what this stuff is all about, right? And, um, let me see. If they want to sell this by exploring it using video games, right, it, it just... It is part of the whole process here, right? They either give us video games or the video games turns into books or the book... You know, see, see how the whole writing process starts a thing? And almost like they're going to be through this abstract way of video games coming up with human studies. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <clears throat> and people are so dumbed down that... Well, I don't know. I don't want to start projecting. So anyway, so... Okay, there's another thing um, called microwave. Some devices are described as microwave weapons. The microwave range is commonly defined, I don't know, the megahertz. Um, okay. Um, so, um, they have this thing called active denial system. is a millimeter wave, wave source that heats the water in a human target skin and thus causes incapacitating pain. So they know how to zap the skin, okay? It was developed by the U.S. Air Force Research Laboratory and Raytheon for riot control duty. What they could do is zap crowds of people to control them, right? Kind of like, kind of like a version of what's that thing they do when they um, zap people to the ground? Though intended to cause severe pain while leaving no lasting damage, concern has been voiced as to whether the system could cause irreversible damage to the eyes. There has yet to be testing for long-term side effects of, of exposure to the microwave beam. It can also destroy unshielded electronics. The device comes in various sizes. Yeah, I bet it must be. Okay, a thing called the Vigilant Eagle. Vigilant Eagle is a ground-based airport defense system that directs high-frequency microwaves towards any projectile that is fired at an aircraft. It was announced by Raytheon in 20, 2005, and the effectiveness of its waveforms was reported to have been demonstrated in field tests to be highly effective in defeating M-A-N-P-A-D-S missiles. Well, do you hear those words? It was reported as highly effective, right? We, you know, the likelihood would be they didn't even make the missile, right? Um, I don't think going to space is their target. Their targets are people in their homes, right? <laughs> the, the system consists of military detecting and tracking substations and control and scanning. The command and control system determines the missile launch point. Oh, we don't care about that. Okay. Um, but then it went on to say that Vigilant Eagle was not mentioned on Raytheon's website in 2022. See, they just cook up all this stuff, right? Okay, then they have this other um, 
Bofors HPM blackout is a high-powered microwave weapon that is said said to be able to destroy at short distances a wide variety of commercial off-the-shelf electronic equipment. Okay. They have this Elm 2080. The effective radiation power of the Elm radar makes it a hypothetical hypothetical candidate for conversion into a direct energy weapon. Well, that's something to pay attention to, right? So it could turn into a DEW, a direct energy weapon, by focusing pulses of radar energy on target missiles. The energy spikes are tailored to inter-missiles. Well, they're not after missiles, they're after people. Okay, so let me see. Active electronically scanned array. AESA radars mounted on fighter aircraft have been slated as directed energy weapons against missiles. However, a senior U.S. Air Force officer noted they aren't particularly suited to create weapons effects on missiles because of limited antennasized power and field of view. Potentially lethal effects are produced only inside a 100 meter range and disruptive effects at distances on the order of one kilometer. So yeah, I think the problem is this, right? They, they can't get this stuff to possibly shoot off of jets and stuff is the problem, right? So that's not what it's intended for. Okay, they have this thing called a anti-drone rifle, a weapon often described as an anti-drone rifle or anti-drone gun is a battery-powered electromagnetic pulse weapon held to an operator's shoulder, pointed at a flying target in a way similar to a rifle and operated. While not a rifle or gun, it is so nicknamed as it is handled in the same way as a personal rifle. The device emits separate electromagnetic pulses to suppress to suppress navigation and transmission channels used to operate an aerial drone, terminating the drone's contact with its operator. The out-of-control drone then crashes. Well, they said the um, Russian stupor is reported. Reported. Okay, see all these things. I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not convinced that all these weapons uh, that they talk about for war if you consider the fact that Russia really isn't fighting Ukraine or Ukraine's really not fighting Russia and all this stuff really is just a, a state jack, right? So um, they're really big on these lasers and they've been talking about new it, doing these laser beams uh, and they have the uh, particle beam. Particle beam weapons can be used, use, use charged or neutral particles and can be either, oh, that's too much. So, um, they have these um, thermal blooming occurs in both charged. Yeah, there's really something that's too technical for me right now. Plasma. You'll hear a lot about plasma. Okay. Plasma weapons. Plasma weapons fire a beam, bolt, or stream of plasma, which is an excited state of matter consisting of atomic electrons and nuclei and free electrons of ionized or other particles in pinch. So these things, it's just, well, what's incredible to me is how dangerous these are and the people that we have in charge of all these things, right? Um, 
so anyways, these other ones aren't of all that big of an interest. Um, um, they started out with these um, death, this business with his death rays, okay? In 1935, the British Air Ministry asked Robert Watson Watt of the radio research station whether a death ray was possible. He and colleague Arnold Wilkins quickly concluded that it was not feasible, but as a consequence suggested using radio for the detection of aircraft and thus stated the development of radar in Britain. So that's how they started with radar then. But, you know, they're just picking up acquired information, acquired stuff that had already existed. Stories in the 1930 and World War II gave rise to the idea of an engine-stopping ray. So, yeah, um, they can say a lot of things, but I'm not really sure that they're able to do a lot of things, right? Um... Because what I read in a lot of these things are, well, they're thinking about it. They think it might work. Um, so let's get down to the, um, they have the, um, okay. Here's where I got started here, okay. Because I was, I was reading along and um, so they were talking about, some reports that I dug up that somebody had done on East Germany. How I ended up there, I don't really remember, but and let me read from you. It said, in addition, when the East German state collapsed, that would have been in, what was that? 1990? 18, 1989? That time frame, okay. What happened was, it collapsed. Okay, that was when they said, when um, who was it, Reagan said, tear down that wall. Such a bunch of fools, right? Tear down that wall. Uh, so yeah, so that's when the wall came down, supposedly. And what I want to know is what was going on behind that wall, right? So anyway, so what they found was powerful X-ray equipment. Remember the last show I was talking about X-ray? That I got started with the whole thing over X-rays and kids, right? Which are you remember our lessons? X-rays are gamma, gamma, right? So, so. They found powerful x-ray equipment was found in prisons without there being any apparent reason to justify its presence. In 1999, the modern German state was investigating the possibility that this x-ray equipment was being used as weaponry and that it was a deliberate policy of the Stasi to attempt to give prisoners radiation poisoning and thereby cancer throughout the use of directed x-rays. So yeah, so to me, this means that, you know, possibly human experimentation from Germany that we thought got shut down was still going on in East Germany. See what I'm saying? It, so it would have been going on in East Germany and also being set up in Africa. See what I'm saying? Maybe East Germany was a bridge for all that, but I don't want to overly speculate. But yeah, seems a little suspect, right? Um, and the report went on to say the negative effects of the radiation poisoning and cancer 
would extend past the period of incarceration. In this manner, someone could be debilitated even though they were no longer in prison. Well, yeah, evil knows no pound, doesn't um Yeah, I, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's absolutely... Oh, here's... The, let me get back up here. Um, there's one case of this. You know, I kept hearing this Havana syndrome. I, you may have heard about it. Havana syndrome. They keep talking about people in the in, embassies feeling like they've been struck by something. Well, I only heard about it out of the end of my corner of my eye, right? Well, you know how they have to signal what they're doing? So I have to wonder, what's the deal with this Havana syndrome? But let me tell you about it. Havana Syndrome is a set of medical conditions reported by U.S. personnel in Havana, Cuba, and other locations suspected by the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine to be caused by microwave energy. So, yeah, so they think that Havana Syndrome is from the kind of energy I've been talking about with this radiation and stuff, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, so the only real known cases of people, so likely how this will work, right? We got the people with, they're all government employees, okay? First red flag, right? And I'm not saying these people aren't suffering. I don't really know, okay? I'm just speculating. So we got, we got a group of government employees who were attacked in a government building and by some sort of radiation or something, right? And they're coming forward. Well, what, what, what are they going to do next? Well, if they decide to go forward with this in a more public way with the dues and stuff, the DEWs, they could easily say, well, you know, we have the people from the Havana study. See what I'm saying? These people that are self-reporting from the Havana deal could be their evidence. See what I'm saying? How they could package it together for their human studies. So... Um, now, why was I here at 1997? Let me see. I guess that, um, well, let me just read it because I seem to have flagged it in red, so I must have been enticed in it for some reason. <laughs> the telecom, tele, the T-E-C-O-M, te Technology Symposium in 1997 concluded on non-lethal weapons. Determining the target effects on personnel is the greatest challenge to the testing community, primarily because the potential of injury and death severely limits human tests. See, that's the reasoning, right? Also, directed energy weapons that target the central nervous system and can cause neurophysiological disorders may violate the certain conventional weapons convention of 1980. Weapons that go beyond non-lethal intentions and cause superficial injury or unnecessary suffering may also violate the Protocol 1 of the Geneva Convention of 1977. So if you're out there and you want to go after these people, here's your backbone, okay? Obviously, according to them, and they're, they're legal people and stuff, they're breaking the law, okay? <laughs> so, 
So, and it went on to say, some common bioeffects of non-lethal electromagnetic weapons include difficulty breathing, check, disorientation, check, nausea, check, pain, check, vertigo, check, other systemic discomfort, check. Yes, and you know, this is why, let me see if I have any more to say here. This is why I have been saying that these people, though this is a pretty sneaky way to go after people, right? What this whole thing is about, I cannot tell you. I keep thinking, what is this about? What is about us that these people want to exterminate us? First of all, I really doubt they lie about everything, okay? So we have to think about it all, right? I highly doubt if they say there's this many millions of people in the world, well, how do we know that's true, right? Once you once you understand that somebody's a psychopath and a known liar, you can't just go along and just start, you know, agreeing with things that they say just right off the top of your head. You have to question all, right? So, first of all, their premise of how many billions of people are roaming the who who knows, right? Who really knows? But the main point is is that You know, we all we're all here voluntarily too. So let's let's not turn into victimhood or anything like that. So, but the main point is is that why they have this um, pretty um, obviously it's obvious to me, and you have to decide these things for yourself. They have this pretty obvious need to want to wipe the rest of us out in any way they can. It's almost like we're living in some sort of a um, well, it is like the cheap version of some sort of matrix or something, right? And um, yeah, and, and, and they literally have us set up with these bombs or these boxes right on our homes and stuff that at any moment can be manipulated to control. I mean, what, a maneuver, what an evil maneuver if you think about it, right? Um, so yeah, so I'll be getting back to more of this. Um, I, I have to finish updating the pictures on the website. I'll get to that. And um, anyway, I just wanted to update this page here because I found this do stuff so interesting that... You know, this really speaks to, um, well, I don't know. If it were me, I would want a fair fight, right? I, I, I don't go around punching people in, the, in the, you know, below the belt and stuff like that. And these people clearly have that at hand. So I would hope that understanding more about who these people are would um, help you to understand what your next moves are going to be, you know, for the near future. Because that's got to be a pretty important thing to start thinking about because, um they obviously aren't going to need to go door to door, are they now? Um, so yeah, so they have they have some pretty evil intentions, and you know, information is in fact power. So you can choose to use it as power or not. So how we got in this position, I will say it one more time. When they came after the first one of us, the rest of us should have screamed and yelled and knocked them off their feet and taken them down and made it all stop right then. But you know what? We didn't. We're here, do the best of what we have. So anyway, I got to close for now. I'll be back with more because um, I want to talk to you more about water and stuff. But I'll, I'll be back with more of that that later. So anyways, so be safe out there. Goodbye for now. Well, hello there again. Surprise, surprise. Um, I have to hold up this file for a couple of days to upload it. And while that is going on, I want to add some things so it keeps it all in one place here because I've been looking up more about these laser weapons. It appears to me that first step is to get these laser weapons. 
It also appears to me that this is exactly like I've been talking about. It goes from one medium, let's say the Star Wars movie, <laughs> to the next saying, oh, look, it's the U.S. Air Force shooting and doing all these things just like the Star Wars movie, right? Well, how much is that is reality, okay? So <clears throat> let me just share some stuff. And this is, I'm going to be, I might add another segment or two after this one because I want to keep this thing going and keep sharing with you what I found so far. It looks to me like none of this has been deployed uh, officially, right? So uh, because I found a thing in 2017, the U.S. military has handed two engineers 3.2 million to create a Star Wars-style laser weapon. Lasers are fast becoming the weapon of choice as the battlefield becomes increasingly high-tech. Britain is already working on a laser which could slice aircraft like butter, and the U.S. has already begun testing the technology for shooting down incoming missiles and drones. And now, Clemson University researchers John Bellotto and Lean Zhu in South Carolina have been tasked with advancing these terrifying high-energy weapons. They have been handed taxpayer dollars to improve the way light is channeled through an optic fiber and to engineer a highly powerful light beam that goes in just one direct direction, a tricky task. Now, I didn't spend a year trying to hunt these people down, but they did have a video that goes to nowhere. So what happened to John Bellotto and Lin Zhu in South Carolina? Uh, who knows? Okay, so then I found this from 2021. April 13, 2021. Army Laser Weapons. And the title was... So we're right now in 2023. So we're talking, what, a year and a half ago? And the title was Star Wars. The U.S. Army is developing laser weapons. Welcome to the future of warfare. Here's what you need to remember. By 2022, the Army plans, plans to deploy its first four-vehicle platoon of eight-wheel striker armored vehicles equipped with a turret mounted 50 kilowatt laser so on this thing i guess it said the machine gun on the turret they're going to have a 50 kilowatt laser okay after decades of being confined to experimental prototypes and star war movies laser weapons today are on the verge of entering wide-scale service whether in the hands of infantry mounted on trucks armored vehicles, warships, and even Air Force fighters. Full disclosure, in case you are just tuning in, my father was a um, U.S. Air Force officer and a navigator who fought in Korea. Um, so I'm not, it's not like I have some axe to grind against the military. <laughs> I have an axe to grind about how they recruit people like my father, but let's keep it simple. So anyway, so yeah, so... What they're saying is Star Wars movies, laser weapons today are on the verge of entering wide-scale service. Okay, so lasers focus beams of light to produce intense heat. 
They have virtually inexhaustible ammunition and are very cheap per shot compared to a missile or even a cannon shell. They are also extremely quick and precise, though they tend to lose cohesion over distance. Did you hear that? They're, they're great when you first shoot them, but over distance, no bueno. Okay, no bueno. The more powerful the laser, the further it can go, and the quicker it burns through its target. But the larger its power supply and cooling system it has to be. Just not quite like the movies, now is it? The Army hopes that ground-based lasers will provide an effective and cost-efficient means to defend against two major new threats. New threats, I tell you, new threats! <laughs> Which threaten to overwhelm existing air defenses. So, okay, let me get serious here. The Army hopes that ground-based lasers will provide an effective and cost-efficient means to defend against two major new threats which threaten to overwhelm existing air defenses, drones and surface skimming cruise missiles. Both are proliferating rapidly around the globe, so we got to look out for drones and surface skimming cruise missiles, okay? Both are proliferating rapidly around the globe, and both were employed in a recent attack that knocked out half of Saudi Arabia's daily oil production, despite the facilities being covered by both short- and long-range air defense systems. So somehow, somebody, <laughs> likely somebody who's located from DARPA or Virginia, um, set off some attack in the Saudi thing. Amazing, 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 right? And then they give them a point to reference, right? They could always say, well, there was this attack on the Saudis. <laughs> Lasers are particularly effective as short-range air defense systems against unmanned aerial vehicles, which are, I think that's what they're calling drones, unmanned aerial vehicles, because most of them are fairly slow. So they're saying these unmanned vehicles are fairly slow, so that gives a laser ample time to burn through the drone's skin and damage critical bits of the airframe. Anti-drone lasers have been extensively tested. See video here. Well, the video wasn't there, so that's as far as I got. <laughs> so. And we're recently, and I talked about this earlier, recently reportedly used in combat for the first time now I didn't I didn't go on a wild hunt, okay? It just didn't happen to be here. So they said that it was a Turkish laser used by a faction in Syria to shoot down an enemy drone, okay? And then there is this thing about um you see this was February February of twenty twenty one. Okay, I'm getting closer here, right? Because now we're twenty twenty three, so that would have been exactly two years ago. U.S. Air Force progresses testing of anti-drone laser weapons. See, my whole question here is, are these laser weapons for the drones or are they for the people that protest or something, right? I mean, you have to think about all the angles. Just because they say it's for the drones has to make us even more curious, right? Okay. Okay. Um... 
anti-drone weapons that use high-energy lasers have been successfully tested by the U.S. Air Force and have been deployed for use in the field. And that's 2021. The counter unmanned aerial system is called C-U-A-S. That means unmanned aerial system. U-A-S. I guess that's what they're calling the drones. Are designed to prevent adversarial drone observation and assault. Laser and high-powered microwave weapons which melt and disrupt a drone's electronics could be, could be deployed to protect U.S. Air Force bases across the world. And keep in mind, this, this is what they're just now talking about, right? And there's some words you want to write down here. Um, the weapon, weapons testing program has been overseen by the Direct Energy Combined Test Force, DECTF, which is part of the Arnold Engineering Development Complex in Tennessee. The experiment is accessing five direct energy weapons, or DEWs, and was involved deploying systems at ranges and in the field for training, testing, and evaluation over the past year. So we're still, we're, we're, we're in 2021, right? Three laser weapons and two high-power microwave systems are part of the experimentation campaign. Four were tested during 2020, three of which have already been deployed in the field. The latest system tested, the High Energy Laser Weapon System 2, also known as HELWS or H2, is the second version of a laser developed by Raytheon. The H2 is more rugged to ensure transportability and survivability, has a new beam director for more accurate targeting, and features a robust power system compared to its predecessor. And keep in mind, this means that these people likely got funding to do all this. Did they do all of this in the direction they're claiming? Well, <laughs> I would kind of highly doubt it, wouldn't you? Um, so somebody wrote up some plan saying we're going to go to Raytheon and get these laser equipment systems, right? Did Raytheon really develop them for these for these rockets and for the to shoot off vehicles and stuff? Well, I don't know. Um, there's stuff coming from the air all around us. No one's ever heard of chemtrails and stuff. We're literally getting shot at in every direction. So that's why I don't believe that any of this stuff is really for its intended purpose, right? I mean, they had to come up with some way to start talking about this stuff, right? So that always includes we got to get those terrorists. <laughs> so. They whip into action with their military friends, and they say, oh, okay, well, let's get these high-energy laser system weapon things going, okay? So let me continue on from 2021. The Air Force Research Laboratory announced last April that the DEW systems would be tested overseas in the field. Gee, I wonder where that would be. Others, remember they have, I, I don't think I found that they've actually tested this stuff, right? But somehow it's going to be tested overseas in the field. 
Huh, can't imagine where that might be. Other systems that are part of the testing program include the Phaser High Power Microwave System, which is also made by Raytheon, and the Tactical High Power Operational Responder, also called the THOR, developed by the Air Force Research Laboratory in partnership with BAE Systems and Albuquerque-based Verus Research. So Verus, V-E-R-U-S Research, based in Albuquerque and BAE Systems in conjunction with Air Force Research Laboratory. The three of them got together. Good for them, right? Okay. Um, the director is a person named Lieutenant Colonel Jared Rupp, R-U-P-P, said, This experiment has many notable U.S. Air Force firsts, including the complete training of the complete training of and operation of the system by security forces, airmen, the first directed energy UAS capability, and the first integration with a base. So this guy, Rupp, Jared Rupp, R-U-P-P, is kind of bragging that this is like the first, okay? So this gives us more data here, right? They're not saying like, oh yeah, this is from 50 years ago. They're saying, I believe they've had this technology for over 50 years. What they're making a statement here is this is the first, right? That says a lot if you don't understand the facts because this really isn't the first, right? But, but it appears to be the first. The locations were selected as to signify to significantly enhance UAS capability through the use of these DEWs, helping to prevent enemy airborne intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance and attacks. The first phase of H2 testing, which took place over a week at the end of July, so I'm assuming that means July 2021, validated the laser weapon's basic functionality, including lethality, and determined that the system was ready to enter the second phase of testing. The second phase involved deployments in the field overseas. See, they're always doing this stuff in somebody else's territory, right? The second phase involved deployment in the field overseas at the beginning of September and included H2 setup, operator training, and an initial performance assessment. Okay, Rupp said, the first phase proved that H2 was capable of integrating with a field radar and command and control system. And it completed the kill chain, that's K-I-L-L chain, by shooting down UASs at operational relevant ranges, Rupp said. It was then successfully deployed and integrated overseas. Well, do tell. Where was it integrated and deployed overseas? High energy laser weapons are new, so there are, as of yet, no official training, concept of operations or tactics, techniques, or procedures for the H-2. Rupp said that those involved Rupp said that those involved in its testing 
have developed guidance for use of the weapons. This experiment has gained knowledge to build a basis of integrating DEWs through U.S. Air Force operations. The DECTF and the Strategic Development Planning and Experimentation Office created the training for the first ever security forces operation to operate this highly technical DEW. We educated base leaders of the capabilities and limitations of these weapons to enable them to make proper decisions such as engagement authorities. So I guess this sounds like the Strategic Development Planning and Experimentation Officer, kind of interesting name, right, is in charge of these dues. So, we also assessed the performance of the system after overseas transport and setup and monitored the daily operation of the system to determine what factors impact operations the most and what parts of the system were most vulnerable to reliability problems. Another assessment of the H2 system by the DECTF Will be, will be conducted around 6 to 17 months after the initial assessment concludes this year. The DECTF was formed, all you have to do is type in those words, DE, <clears throat> next word, CTF, in 2018, and combines experience and knowledge of directed energy weapons from several different research laboratories that are part of the U.S. Air Force. Huh, interesting, huh? Well, that's all I have for this second here. It's pretty interesting that all of this, we're still working on it, and that it appears to me, just my opinion, that I would, I would say that based on probably some sketchy studies, right? <clears throat> This stuff is now deployed overseas. I didn't. I didn't. I don't really hear them saying that they're technically really using it here, right? Because how how the deal works is likely <clears throat> gets divide gets gets cooked up here, right? Developed here, and that immediately gets sent to some place that would be much harder to find the data from, much harder to get the records from. So yeah, it immediately gets shifted overseas. So if I'm following this trail correctly, it appears to me that it has now been deployed to used overseas officially. Uh, but like I said, I don't really, I don't really uh, think all this stuff going to these war games is for the intended purpose. I think the intended purpose is the citizens who are the actual targets of this war game. So anyway, so let me close out this for right now. I, I might be back because. While I'm keeping this file open, I'll update you on relevant things to these DEWs as I go along here and waiting. So anyway, so be safe out there. Here we go. Okay, not so fast. While I still have you here, there are a few clips that I'd like to play for you that will really help to um, fill in some of the blanks here, okay? First... Let me try to get them in some kind of order, but let's see. First, I want you to understand how the United States declares war on other countries. Okay, let's listen in here. Hold on. Since the unprovoked 
and dastardly attack by Japan, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire. That was the last time the U.S. officially declared war on another country. Japan's attack at Pearl Harbor was the catalyst that prompted FDR to propel America into World War II. But the U.S. doesn't go to war like that anymore. Korea, Vietnam, the Persian Gulf, Afghanistan, Iraq. Technically, those were not wars. Those conflicts are considered extended military engagements. President Obama has been selective about the way he uses the word war including in his latest declaration of a stepped-up effort to defeat the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. What's needed now is a targeted, relentless counterterrorism campaign against ISIL that combines American air power, contributions from allies and partners, and more support to forces that are fighting these terrorists on the ground. Call it whatever you want. Targeted action, a systematic campaign, or a sustained counterterrorism strategy. But don't call it war. Uh, if somebody wants to think about it as being a war with ISIL, they can do so. But the fact is, it's a major counterterrorism operation that will have many different moving parts. The Obama administration has made a concerted effort to avoid the heavy-handed language of the Bush administration, such as the war on terror or the axis of evil. The United States of America will not permit the world's most dangerous regimes to threaten us with the world's most destructive weapons. When President Obama was elected in 2008, more than 60% of the country believed the Iraq War, which again, technically not a war, wasn't worth fighting. Part of what got Obama to the White House was a campaign pledge to end that conflict. And he fulfilled that promise when he pulled combat troops out of the country in 2011. Going back into Iraq could be seen by some as an extension of that unpopular war. All of which is why the rhetoric will mean a lot less than what the president actually sends the military to go do. Okay. They always have ways around all these things, don't they? Okay, so let me look at this next clip here. Um, I talked earlier as far as the um, people in Cuba. What's interesting to me at least is all of these people are CIA agents that got hit. Did they get hit? Well... I don't know. I mean, remember, this is the part that I continue to rag on, and I haven't listened to my other segments, so I don't know if I've ragged on more in this segment, but I continue to be fascinated by the fact that using these weapons on the rest of us, in fact, is shooting themselves in the, in the face, okay? So, um, yeah, so, okay, so here is, there was, this was a clip by Fox News from one year ago. I believe this is setting the stage to use these people as who they can write off as experiments, right? Did they get hit? Hey, who knows? I mean, they're hitting everybody. You need to get that through your head because it's not just a few people. They have, in fact, put many, um, you know, ovens on all of our homes. So let's hear what they have to say about these agents and the Cuba deal. Okay, here we go. This is from one year ago. Fox News, it says, officials say 130 suspected victims of possible energy weapon. Okay, here we go. New details tonight about suspected directed energy microwave attacks targeting CIA officers and top national security officials. We first started hearing about them, and we told you about them here on Special Report in 2016, shortly after then-President Obama opened the embassy in Havana, Cuba. 
National Security Correspondent Jennifer Griffin at the Pentagon has the latest tonight about a suspected attack here at home. U.S. officials say there are now 130 suspected victims, mostly CIA operatives and U.S. diplomats being treated for brain injuries, debilitating headaches and vertigo, the targets they believe of a directed energy microwave weapon. There's a mysterious direct energy weapon that is being used, and it is causing, in some cases, permanent traumatic brain injury. New indications suggest the incidents go as far back as 1996. Two individuals working on the NSC believe they were targeted in 2019 and in 2020, just after the election. One was near the White House and one was walking her dog. The Russians have been working on mobile microwave weapons for years. We have to get more information and we got to tell the public what's going on. The U.S. Air Force and tech firm Apyrus have developed a mobile high-energy microwave weapon that company is spelled E-P-I-R-U-S, Ipyrus, okay? Weapon to bring down drones. Ipyrus is also working on a miniature variant of the weapon that can be easily transported on a pickup truck. You notice this, the wording is currently working on, this is like a year ago, okay? Be used on a pickup truck a year ago, okay? This is the type of technology that might be targeting American diplomats. Russia certainly has the means and the motive to conduct these attacks. I mean, there's some, some evidence out there that certainly points to Vladimir Putin, the KGB operative in the Kremlin, being responsible. The only victim so far to come forward, former CIA head of the Europe desk, Mark Polymaropoulos, was targeted while visiting Moscow four years ago and forced to retire. It's pretty insidious because it also doesn't... Okay, so this guy here, this is how the this is how the crime starts to get the evidence starts to get piled up, right? This CIA agent named Mark Polymopoulos, who was a former CIA agent, claims that he was hit while he was doing CIA work in Moscow. Okay, this is how the evidence is starting to pile up here. So let's continue on. Leave any kind of you know open open scars or or, or wounds. Mark lobbied for treatment at Walter Reed's National Center for the Intrepid. As part of his therapy, he painted this mask of a Superman cape with a broken CIA shield with an arrow through it to symbolize the moral injury he felt when at first he was not believed by the CIA. The CIA is now taking the issue seriously, but without the actual weapon, U.S. officials don't know who to blame and how to stop these alleged attacks. Well, but now, isn't that the nice idea that has to do with these weapons? Is who to blame, right? <laughs> they, they, they pull into, um, well, they... <laughs> they cause and effect later. Okay. This one is from um, nine months ago. Let me see here. Oh, this is a propaganda piece, which is very interesting, from a group called Defense Matters, okay? And it was from 10 months ago. So that would have been mid 2022 okay just to set the stage here and they're interviewing this dude and the title is the u.s is making really exciting progress on directed energy weapons like high energy lasers okay so let's hear what this guy has to say directed energy weapons like high energy lasers could be a game changer in future wars but they've been in development for decades and the DOD has yet to field these weapons at scale. Mark Gunzinger is a director at the Mitchell Institute and a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense. Mark, welcome. Thank you very much. 
All right, so what kind of target would these, um, would a directed energy weapon be used against? And to be clear, we're talking about laser, we're not talking about high-powered microwave. Right. Lasers uh, that exist today are capable against rockets, artillery, mortars, uh, and increasingly they're becoming capable against uh, higher-end threats like cruise missiles, depending on the geometry of your shot. If you get a side shot on a cruise missile and you get a burn-through on its thin skin, then that would be an effective kill. All right, so explain a little bit how these weapons actually work. Yeah, there's really two kinds of uh, uh, laser technologies right now. Distributed gain, which is a series of slabs, and you beam energy into uh, one and hit them serially, and it amplifies until you have a coherent beam of laser energy coming out the other end. And then you have spectral beam combination. There's a bunch of fiber lasers, individual lasers, kind of look like communications uh, 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 laser fibers. And they're spectrally combined to form, again, a coherent beam of energy that can uh, hit a, a target at uh, short to medium uh, ranges. So they use electricity. So where do they get their power source? You notice they use electricity? Yes. Well, I'll tell you that um, the Army is scheduled to deploy a 300-kilowatt laser this November to arrange to test it and be all contained on an Oshkosh heavy truck with a generator to provide the power source, the cooling, the laser, and the beam director all contained, forming a, a highly mobile package that can emit a beam of energy at 300 kilo kilowatts, which would be good for uh, uh, many different kinds of cruise missiles, as well as the other threats that I mentioned. So let's talk about the benefits, because one big benefit is you don't need to reload. There's no supply chain for ammunition. That's absolutely correct, and that's critical, because our Air Force is uh, and our Marine Corps and, and of course the Army is developing concepts for conducting highly distributed operations to reduce their vulnerability to attack by China and Russia and, and other adversaries. So if you're highly mobile, you move your um, basing your posture around frequently, you need mobile defenses. You need to reduce the logistics to support uh, those kinds of defenses, and that's exactly what directed energy weapons do. You don't need to reload them with large missiles like you would a, a Patriot missile battery. There's one other advantage. These weapons are electrically powered, so they're cheap. A laser shot might cost the price of uh, you and I going to Starbucks for coffee. Compared Nothing to in DOD is that cheap. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But, uh, compared to a $4.3 million Patriot missile, which doesn't make sense against some of the threats that... Uh, we would have to use them against today since we don't have operational lasers. All right, well, let's talk about the range, though, because is, doesn't it become more expensive as you get farther and you need more energy? Yes, uh, it, it does, but you also need better beam quality lasers, too. It's not just the energy output, but the beam quality. And lasers are going to be best at short to medium range uh, uh, kills, uh, frankly. High-powered microwave weapons, uh, which we've just barely touched on, uh, they're medium to longer range. But the fact is, you need a combination of kinetic and non-kinetic, including directed energy weapons, to handle the, the thousands of ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, uh, swarming UAVs, and other threats that our uh, military faces. You need both. What about bad weather? Because when you're talking about laser, it's not going to work as well if there's a storm, if it's cloudy. How does that work? And that gets right back to the point I just made. You need both because they can, laser beams can be attenuated by uh, weather. Uh, 
High-power microwaves, not so much. Again, it's the combination of both that uh, you need to give our forces the kind of defensive capacity they need to survive in contested areas. And there was a, the Air Force Research Lab did uh, run a war game a couple months ago of that kind of hybrid between the high-directed energy weapons and the kinetic, ener uh, kinetic uh, weapons. That's exactly right. That and many other war games, some of which I've led, have shown is the combination of the two. The ability to have fire control systems integrate both kinetic defenses like Patriots, as I've mentioned, uh, FADs, and, and even lower-cost kinetic interceptors with directed energy systems to choose the best tool to use against that threat that's uh, inbound. What do we know about the directed energy capabilities of China and of Russia? Uh, they are in full pursuit of those technologies. And in some cases, we may not be the first mover, similar to uh, uh, what you see in hypersonic weapons. Um, give me an idea of the timeline. Um, when are we going to actually see these being deployed in the field and used? Now, that's the really exciting part. Uh, the word for the last 30 years has been directed energies are always 10 years out. Five years from now, they're 10 years out. Well, guess what? Over the last six years, we went. We are now at 60 kilowatt lasers, and we're deploying a 30, 300 kilowatt laser this November, as I mentioned, uh, for testing. In another two years, we could be at uh, fielding those 300 kilowatt lasers, maybe even 500. And in five to six years, we'll be hitting megawatt class lasers, and those be effective against some kinds of ballistic missiles, including possibly any ship ballistic missiles that uh, China fielded to you know, attack our fleet. Do you think that the Defense Department is fully behind this and that the funding reflects that? I think the funding is beginning to reflect that. Uh, over the years, I've seen a constant level of funding somewhere between 506 million per year going into research and development for all kinds of directed energy uh, uh, capabilities. Now, that has been almost doubled in the last budget, but still, if you think about hypersonic weapons, that uh, last budget was about $3.8 uh, billion for hypersonic weapons. So directed energy weapon uh, research development and some acquisitions, still about a third of that. All right. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming in. We'll see where this goes. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, pretty interesting, huh? And that was the U.S. is making really exciting programs on directed energy weapons like high-energy lasers. So one last clip that I'd like to play here, very interesting, kind of shows my point that I'm going here with this connection between Star Wars and I don't know, they seem to be doing a lot of guessing as far as, well, we may be getting in place now. So let's go ahead and play this clip. This clip is from also from nine months ago. So that would also put it mid-2022, okay? And it is from CNET, and the title is Real Laser weapons used by the U.S. military. And here we go. Them in Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, and dozens of science fiction and fantasy stories. But laser weapons are just make-believe, right? Well, maybe not. Energy weapons are real, and they're a lot more powerful than the novelty laser pointers that you're probably familiar with. Though they might not look like you imagine them. 
Take the U.S. Navy's Laws laser system, for instance. This experimental 30 kilowatt solid state laser was installed on the USS Ponce in 2014. You've seen them in Star Wars. Wait a minute, you heard it say this experimental, and now I lost the place. The experimental, and it was installed in 2014, okay, believe, so 2014 right? experimental. Well, maybe not. Energy weapons are real, and they're a lot more powerful than the novelty laser pointers that you're probably familiar with. Though, they might not look like you imagined them. Take the U.S. Navy's Laws laser system, for instance. This experimental 30-kilowatt solid-state laser was installed on the USS Ponce in 2014. It's a real, fully operational, directed energy weapon. And while it doesn't shoot out brightly colored blasts of energy like you might have seen in movies or TV shows, this invisible laser weapon still packs quite a punch. In tests, the Navy has used it to detonate explosives from a distance, burn out the engines of approaching boats, and have even used it to shoot down small, unmanned aerial aircraft. It's not even hard to use. When the Navy first showed this laser off, Rear Admiral Matthew Clunder told reporters that anyone who could play Xbox or PS4 games could use the USS Ponce's new energy weapon. See how that goes? All these games, you know, are being developed for the kids because it's just desensitizing them towards war and murder and all this kind of stuff. But this is all like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, my heat just clicked on. You know it's cold in here. I've been keeping my thermostat at 44. I really suggest you lower your thermostat now because when you abruptly have to stop using so much heat, well, it can be a little tougher to deal with. So I hope we don't have too much background noise since um, noise is always an issue <laughs> with people. <laughs> okay, let me continue on. So it, the ship is called the Ponce, P-O-N-C-E, and this was tested in 2014. So let me see. I've been with these. And not only is it an effective, undetectable weapon, but because there's no explosives, propellant, or gunpowder, it's safer to operate than traditional weapons. It's more affordable, too. Destroying or disabling a target with a traditional missile can cost thousands of dollars, but laws can be fired for just 59 cents per shot. And the USS Ponce's energy weapon is just the beginning. Lockheed Martin has been working to help the Navy develop its next directed energy weapon system the high-energy laser with integrated optical dazzler and surveillance, or Helios for short. It's a 60-kilowatt laser, twice as powerful as the law's weapon. That's not a huge leap forward in laser technology, but it's enough for Lockheed Martin to start envisioning what a true next-generation laser system might look like. From systems that integrate Helios lasers with existing radar and targeting systems to eliminate threats at sea, to developing tactical airborne laser pods that can be mounted on military jets. Although those lasers won't be designed for aerial combat, but rather to help pilots defeat surface-to-air and air-to-air -air missiles before they reach their targets. And truth be told, that kind of defense capability is what most directed energy weapon systems are focused on today. Not attacking targets with space-age lasers, but using them to defend against drones, UAVs, and potential attacks. And that's an idea that's been a long time coming. Back in the 1980s, the Reagan administration's Strategic Defense Initiative hoped to build a fleet of laser-equipped satellites that could shoot down Cold War missile threats. The program's ambition outstretched its technology at the time, and it was eventually shut down in 1993. But now, decades later, we're finally catching up to the idea, just on a little smaller of a scale. So, yes, laser weapons are real. 
though they aren't much like the blasters your favorite heroes carry around in the Star Wars films. And that's okay. Some things are more fun when they stay a fantasy. I would argue this whole thing is a fantasy, but anyways, think for yourself, kids. So, um, yeah, um, it's something else. Uh, I think they all are working together. It's all a big marketing program. <laughs> One thing feeds off the other thing. And um, as long as they make the target something out there like, let's go get those terrorists, <laughs> people are missing a, a major point here, right? And the point is, is that we've never really been clear who these terrorists are that they keep saying they're out to get, right? So logically to me, I think that the, the people they're talking about going out to get are the rest of us, right? Because simple logic tells me this is being pulled off by Washington, D.C., which is the military arm, because of course we have Washington, D.C., the City of London, and the Vatican, those three people at play here, and this all comes under the U.S. military. All of this, all of this technology, all of this shooting, the harp stuff, the weather, the clouds, all that stuff is under the U.S. military, okay? And most of it is located with these groups. I've been talking about DARPA, all the, all the gang that tends to mainly hang around in Virginia. So anyway, so yeah, so it appears to me that there's a lot of talk about these technologies on the horizon as far as being able to shoot down other missiles and things like that. I would contend this has all been built to shoot down smaller targets by setting up, um, oh, I don't know, receptacles for these said um, missiles or radar or radiation blasts and stuff, you know, they effectively have put receptacles for these things on all of our homes. So, well, and I, I think the, you know, why they're doing all this is unclear to me. Um, they're also blowing it back in their own faces, if that's any kind of consolation for any of you. Um, all of their agents also have smart meters on their own homes, so their own people are getting blasts. <laughs> They're getting blasts themselves. Well, how do you explain it? Well, I really can't tell you because these people are the same people who talk about sleeping with their mother. They talk about sleeping with their sister and having Saturn and all those different fantasy things going on. Um, they're the same people who are putting drag queens in front of children these days and trying to cut the penises off of boys and the boobs off of girls. It's a pretty twisted group of people who, these people don't even know who their own mother is, okay, because they were flipped at birth. So they've been given hormones since they were in vitro. They've had to have a, you know, these men on the world stage are really women, so they've had to be taking a lifetime of hormones and that's why they're starting to drop like flies, like with Google and Putin and all of them and all these neurological diseases and everything going along. So, you know, in their effort to want to disable the rest of us, they're also disabling themselves and they're also disabling their own people who are helping them go after us. So what I get out of this is this. Personally, I would think it would be pretty risky because so far they haven't had to pull any kind of weapons, like, you know, like handguns or, you know, 
tanks on the streets or anything that kind of stuff. This has all been done through psychological manipulation. So I don't know. I, I would consider it pretty dicey to go, if these people came by and said, hey, come with us. I would consider that a pretty dicey move. Besides the fact, I'm not so sure that it's going to need to get to that point because of these receptacles we now effectively have on 85% of our homes. So there's a lot of questions. So I don't believe this is where I'm from. This to me is just like watching some sort of fantasy type mystery type cheap version of the Matrix unfold, right? They show us these pictures of this Matrix being this huge, sophisticated deal, right? When in reality, it's not. Every, every big lie they have has an extraordinary story that goes along with it because that's just smart marketing strategy, right? You present yourself as this big, ominous kind of a thing that's ready any minute to put chips under people's skin and all that kind of stuff. When the reality has been, time and time again, it is something quite simple. So why are they so anxious to hit all of us with this stuff? I don't know. I will be updating the pictures over at the website. They're not, they're not live yet and be talking more about the symptoms so you can know what to look for. So why would they be radiating all of us, radiating their own people, and also be willing to radiate themselves? Well, there's a lot of sadomasochism involved with psychopaths. They get a certain buzz out of things that we really can't anticipate or necessarily speculate about. I don't necessarily think in terms of somebody sleeping with their sister and having a bunch of different kids and you know all, all those wild stories from that Mercury stuff. <laughs> so, some of these things about evil are hard for us to envision because we just thankfully do not think like these people. So it is a mystery. Why would they be so anxious to get rid of the rest of us at their own demise and their own expense? Sometimes things just don't always add up. So I'm going to close this out for now. Be safe out there. Goodbye for now. I would like to play a clip here before I close out here. This first one is from Far Point Farms. Okay, Far, F-A-R, Point, all one word, F-A-R-P-O-I-N-T, Farms. And he is a gentleman on YouTube. And the show I'm going to be playing is three reasons to get a CB radio now. So let's tune in and see what he has to say. Hey guys, it's Eric here at Farpoint. And tonight I want to make a video that's going to cover the two or maybe two and a half main reasons why you should consider getting into CB radio. So while this won't be the shortest video I've ever made, hopefully it will be the simplest guide to why you want to get CB radio. So let's get started. The first thing I want to talk about is why. Why do you want to get CB radio here in the future, right? It's 2023 when I'm filming this, or almost 2023. Why would I want to make an investment in this antiquated technology, right? And there are two reasons, with maybe a third one slipped in there at the end. The number one reason is communications. And you're going to say, yeah, well, obviously, two-way communications, two-way radio. No, 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 hear me out. We're in this connected age. We have cell phones with texting and phone calls at our fingertips. We have AM, FM, we have HD radio, we have GPS to guide us. We have all this stuff that modern cars and modern people carry on them. 
And you would think that this can't possibly replace any of it. But it actually not only replaces, it fills a void that no technology that I'm aware of as of this moment does. And that is local information when you need it. That means you're driving down the road, and this is the number one reason I have these in all of my cars. You're driving down the road, and I'm not talking about a five-lane highway, although it could be. I'm talking about a two-lane back road, and you come to a dead stop in the middle of nowhere. There are cars as far as you can see around the corner and up the bend and, all, and off into the distance, and you don't know what's going on. And you sit. We're all patient for some amount of time. But after a few minutes, you realize this line hasn't budged an inch, and you haven't seen any cars coming this way. That's where CD comes in, that your cell phone can't tell you, that AM radio or FM radio or HD radio is just not going to report those kind of incidents on the spot. But you can get on your CB, go on channel 19, you call out and say, hey man, I'm stuck here on uh, 164, about two miles from the 16 overpass. What's going on? And somebody is going to come back and say, hey, I'm on the other side of that. Uh, phew, man, you know, somebody dropped some lumber on the road. They're just about done cleaning it up. Hang tight, it'll be cleared within five minutes. Okay, now I have a reason to sit. Or maybe they come back and say, terrible wreck up here, man, and first responders aren't even here yet. Uh, you might want to turn around and take so-and-so road to so-and-so road. It's a great bypass. Those are two reasons right there that in, inside of it. Do I wait or do I go that a cell phone, that your regular car stereo, that a GPS can't tell you? And so that's the number one reason why you would still want to have one of these in your car to this day. It's, it saved me so many times I can't even count. From long trips out of state to just driving home at night on a road I've drive, driven 100,000 times at this point, it comes in handy. Now, the number two reason, well, it's kind of what you see here. It's a hobby, and it happens to be one of the most uh, popular. It's really shooting up in popularity. You can tell by the amount of channels that are currently putting up videos about CB-related content. It's a cool hobby. It's a way to make contact worldwide. Now, CB is known mostly for its 4-watt amount of power, and that usually limits you to a range of 10 to 15, maybe 20 to 25 miles, depending on terrain. But there's this other half, which I'll get into here a little later on, called skip, and that's where your signal just flies up into the atmosphere and back down to some random location. And it is great to be able to hear this. Those are voices that are states and states away. And sometimes when the conditions are right, they may be countries and countries away. I regularly talk to Canada from North Carolina on 12 watts sideband or 4 watts AM. So it's a cool hobby, and it's much cheaper and easier to get into than ham. And I know there's a lot of ham guys out there that watch my channel, and you always get ticked off when I say this, but let's face facts. Ham radio is not an easy hobby to get into. You have to go through licensing. You have to spend a lot of money on equipment. You have to spend a lot of effort to get it all set up just right. And then you'll get exactly what you got here without a license, with very limited money invested. And honestly, there's a lot more people on this right now than there are on ham some days. And that's, that's the number two reason. So you can get into it with a brand new radio for $100 to $120 that does everything. Or you can get into it on eBay for $22, which is this beautiful Radio Shack radio here, 40 channel AM. That was $22. It came with an antenna. So if you keep your eye on eBay, you know, you can get a good deal. There's a third reason, and I'm going to touch on it just lightly, just a little bit. And that is preparedness. 
what if all those other things just stop working? What if all those other things go down? What if the cell tower systems go down? What if power goes out for such an extended period of time that the booster packs that hold those cell towers working just fade away? I lived through Hurricane Fran in the late 90s, and mid-90s, I guess it was, and cell phones stopped working. On 9-11, cell phones stopped working. They overloaded the system because everyone was trying to reach out. And you can say, well, that was long ago, and you're right. But don't think that these things can't happen again. In 96, with Hurricane Fran, I used the radio you see right here to find out what gas stations still had gas when I was about to run out of gas, where we could go to find water. I couldn't find that out on the radio because the batteries were dead. I couldn't find that out on, on AM radio or FM radio because they were talking about the larger areas. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We went 14 days without power out there, and it took seven before the roads were clear enough for me to even get in the car and get out. But I would go out to the car, which had about a half a tank. I'd fire it up and run it for a half hour every night, and I would listen. And I would talk, and I would find out what's going on outside of my little, my little area. So there's your third reason. I'll see you next time. Well, he has some good information that is called Farpoint, all one word, F-A-R-P-O-I-N-T, Farms. These things start at about 20 to $50 to get yourself communicated. And I'd like to close with this song. We missed Bye our friends. opportunity. Wait a second here. <laughs> we missed our opportunity to, when they came for the first one of us, we should have been circled and knocked them back away, but we didn't. So now let's try to see if we can stand in some solidarity with each other now because a lot of people, a lot of pain ahead. So see what you can do. It helps to turn the sound on. There's so many moving parts of doing this. Now why can't I hear anything? Okay. See now I have the sound off. Hang on a, hang on a second here. This is a good song. I want you to hear it. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Too many moving parts. Let me refresh real quick. I don't want to lose that whole recording and start over again, so hang in there with me. I could sing it to you. Do you want me to do that? Okay, now. There we go. I have my new speaker. Well, uh, welcome to my world here. Why isn't this working? Let me see here. Always helps to start over and plug it in. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'll shut up.
my brother 